We're going to look at a text that uh, is pretty familiar to anyone who's been around Living Hope for a, for a while now. Um, I've taught on it a couple of times. Community groups have studied it. Spoiler alert, might study it this week too. Uh, as we kind of get all on the same page about some things. And in this story, there's, uh, there's a lot. And a part of it is that we're able to see a picture of something pretty, pretty beautiful. So let's, let's start and just look at verse 1 for just a second and um, kind of get our context together. Uh, it says Mark 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 1. Got that? Nailed it. Um, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. Okay, so Jesus who uh, traveled around a lot in his in his ministry uh, he had a he had a home and we don't know if that means it was a house or uh, if it was like a room onto built onto someone else's house you know, like things were obviously very different in that culture at that time but he had somewhere that to him was home you, you know you know that feeling um, and so he had been traveling around and uh, his ministry was met with uh, in some some senses a lot of like great response and then other times i try to throw him off a cliff and so jesus kind of has this this different kind of thing that's happening and he gets back home and so everything that's about to happen uh according to what we see here happens in his home verse two many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even at the door and he was preaching the word to them And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed uh, the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. Okay? So stop right there. Um, They tore a roof, a hole in Jesus' roof. And this... Uh, this is like, I want us to be that, you know, like I want us to be, I want us to be these people that you see here. And I believe that God is forming us more and more and more and more into the kind of people who not will destroy property, but who have this kind of, of, uh, connection to one another. I think that what we see here is, uh, it is, there's imagery that shows us what it looks like to be the people of God. Um, it shows us what life together is supposed to be about. Um, that, that the entire goal here in this scenario is to get to Jesus. Like, he's teaching, it's standing room only. There's a paralytic man outside who, who needs to get to the healer. And the only way for him to do that is to get some help. And they were willing to go to such great lengths to do so. So when I say I want us to be these kinds of people, I'm talking about like get to Jesus kind of people. That that's the, that's the goal. That's the only thing that, that truly eternally matters is him. And everything else will fall into place. 
That's who God has called us to be. That is who he is forming us into. That's what we collectively as a congregation have come together to become more and more and more is this kind of of community that our common unity is getting to Jesus. Now, to be very clear, we will never be in a situation like this. Like where Jesus is inaccessible because there's just too many people in between us and him. When Jesus was on the earth, he was only one place at one time. In his ascension and his sending of the spirit and the empowerment of God's people, there is this amazing thing that happens where the omnipresence of God, the like I'm everywhere at this at one timeness of God, uh, is ours. And so there will never come a point where you are like, man, I want to get to Jesus, but I can't. However, life tells us, and the scripture forecasts for us, that there will be times when, although you can get to Jesus because he is accessible through his, his spirit within us, it's going to seem like you can't. It's going gonna, it's gonna to feel like you can't. You're going to feel like the paralytic on the mat outside the house of like, I know Jesus has what I need. I know that Jesus is everything I need, but I just, I just can't get there myself. Whether, whether we're talking about initial salvation or we're talking about the abiding life, we always need to be at the feet of Jesus. And yet sometimes we're in situations where it just seems like we can't. It could be it could be seasons of doubt. It could be grief. Um, it could be theological things that you're wrestling with. It could be lies that have started to sound like the truth. Um, it could be like emotional like things that are going on. It could be relational strife. It, it could be that sin patterns have made you calloused. Uh, There's all kinds of reasons why we will feel like the paralytic on the mat. There's the part of you that's like, man, I know I need to get to Jesus, but I just, I just can't. Like, I don't want to pray. I don't want to sing. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to do, I don't want to open the Bible. I don't want to do the things that I know will do it. And you feel stuck. And it's in those times that we need friends like this guy had, right? Like, that's when we need to be able to turn to our people and say, hey, I, 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 need, I need you to do something. I need you to know where I am. I'm, I'm struggling. And then you just ask them to help you. And then your friends pick up the corners of the mat and say, well, we got it from here, you know. That's that's what we that's what we want. That's who he's forming us into. That's the picture of intercession. Like we see them literally carrying someone to Jesus. And that's what we do when we pray for one another and we encourage one another and we sit in the sadness with one another and whatever it may be, we're interceding, we're we're picking up the corners of someone's mat and saying if well I, it doesn't matter if you feel like praying or not. We're going to pray for you. We're going to we're going to be in it with you. That's who we are. It's who it's who we are. That's that's us 
as the sons and daughters of God, as the family of God, it's part of our identity. It's not like a nice thing to do. It's not a good option. It's, it's inherent. And we see it here in the story. And so when we read this story, I remember as a kid in Sunday school, I was just fascinated by like tearing a hole in the roof. Like that was like, that's brilliant. You know, like, can you do that and not get in trouble? You know, like that's amazing. And now I look at it and I say, I, I can tell you the times I've been the guy on the mat. And I can tell you who the friends were who rallied around me and carried me to Christ in prayer and in presence and in words of encouragement or words of correction, whatever it may be. And I can tell you time after time after time after time, being a part of a, of a Christian community where I've watched people get carried and I've been carried myself. And I see that and I'm like, that incredible. And all, like when I look at it correctly and I look at it through that lens, all I want is more of that. You know? I just want more, like, I don't want to push away from that. I want to like, no, what can I, what can I do to be more, to be more of that person? And so life means that sometimes you're the person on the mat and sometimes you're the person carrying the mat and sometimes you're both at the same time. But here's the here's here's what it requires of us though. Cuz we can we can say that we want that and we can like applaud that and say that's that's what the church should be. Yes, let's do that. That's great. Here's here's what has to happen though. There you you have to you have to know and be known in order for this to be us. Like you have to know the people and you have to be known by the people. So if everyone is being known and everyone's putting their cards on the table and everyone else is responding to the cards that are put on the table, we're all willing to be honest when we're the person on the mat and we're all willing to pick up a corner of the mat when someone says that they're on the mat, then this is the natural like ethos of the community that, that is forming there. But here's, here's, the, here's the hang up is that from the Garden of Eden all the way to this very moment, our brokenness defaults into shying away from being known. We're not quite as opposed to knowing other people. Like it's, it's good when people are honest and share their, their stuff, but there's something in, our, in, like in us that still has a little bit of a check whenever we're pushed. And like we're the gatekeepers of our own vulnerability. Right, But in order for this to happen, there has to be the kind of vulnerability that we see from a paralytic on a mat. Like That has to happen. And so in Eden, Adam and Eve find themselves in a situation. What do they do? They hide in the trees. Now they're hiding from the most loving, caring, gracious being in the universe. But to them... They're so wrapped up in their own like stuff and their own deception that they forget who he is and they just hide in the trees. And so Jesus comes in with this incredible good news that the kingdom of God is now available to us. And a part of the kingdom of God says that it's okay to be known by people. See, the world we live in, is the, the message is the opposite, right? Like you... 
You can't let let people see your vulnerabilities and your weaknesses and your struggles and all that kind of stuff. Like you, you got to keep that buttoned up. Or we're taught very unhealthy ways of like being known. You know, like it's it's no no. no like tell everyone everything, and then it's it's it, it, then it kind of has a way of like validating maybe things that are unhealthy. So the kingdom of the world has all kinds of weird ways to deal with this. The kingdom of God, Jesus has said, hey, come out of the trees. And I want to show you that I've made it safe because I've forgiven whatever it is. And I have the ability to deal with whatever you're walking through. And so a part of what we're doing is we're all learning to heal from that part of us that says you got to hide. And then... In order to heal, we have to step into the light a little bit. And so it's like we're in this like big circle. And it's like, remember, the, remember um, it was Rollerland, Hokey Pokey, anybody? Yes. yes. Some of y'all, Baton Rouge, old school right there. Everyone had to come out onto the, roller, onto the floor and they would do the Hokey Pokey in skates, which is, sounds like a super safe thing to do. But, um, and there was like this, this kind of like every, everyone put your right hand in, you know. And in a much more important spiritual way, <laughs> we are, we're taking one step out of the trees and we're realizing, we're looking around being like, hey, my worst fears didn't come true. Yeah. By that, I mean, you, you share your struggle and the response of the other people, like, you're like, oh, I shared my struggle and they didn't run away screaming for me. They didn't judge me. They didn't chastise me. They didn't gossip about me. They listened to me. They believed me. They prayed for me. They followed up with me. Like what that does, even in our brains, even the like the the brain science of trauma that we're learning is that that has a, a way of healing and rerouting things within our own brains. It's almost like God knew what He was doing when He said, "Carry each other's burdens." Love one another as I have loved you. And so what we're doing is we're all taking steps into the light and realizing that it's safe to be known. That's an incredible thing. That's a beautiful thing. That's, a, that's not something we can manufacture. That's like a God is doing something incredible among us kind of thing. And what churches have to do, churches have to figure out how do we organize ourselves in such a way that facilitates and even accelerates the, the healing of the gospel being worked out in, in all of its, in, in every way? One of them being the fact that it's safe to be known by others and that you can be honest and open with your life, that you don't have to live in the tree line, that, that you are not an island and that you don't walk through stuff alone. And so for Living Hope, we hope that this is like a part of every gathering we have. Whether it's like one-on-one, like you're having coffee or lunch with someone, that, that that is an environment where you can be known. All the way to these Sunday gatherings, that you can be known in this space as well. But you know what the perfect environment is? It's, it's the community group. Like decades ago, hundreds of years ago, uh, church leaders figured out large groups don't really facilitate the kind of like relational connection that we're called to walk in. 
Like the church was probably never intended to to be like what it has become. Mega churches were probably not like the original like plan, right? And may, I don't really have any uh, any room to say that, but I just kind of look at that. I'm like, I don't know that that's really what we're going for. And so what church leaders figured out is like, okay, let's let's gather as many people want to come. Let's gather, but we got to get into smaller groups of some sort. And so whether it's Sunday school classes, community groups, life groups. Uh, John Wesley had had his own like version of this. Like you got to figure out what to do, and that's what church leaders are trying to do. That was a Greg Keller shout out, John Wesley. Uh, the uh, church leaders have to figure out what to do. Like how do we how do we do this in a way that is effective? And for us at Living Hope Community Groups, like that's that's where this comes from. And I don't I don't want to give like a commercial for groups to try to like sell them to you. But I do want us to understand, as a as a church family, uh, why we put the emphasis that we do on them. And if you're not a part of the church family, I would invite you to become a part of the church family or to join a community group. Um, but the strategy for us comes down to this kind of thing: like how how can we get people in, in a room and and let that environment become safe? To, to know and to be known. To know the Lord, to know each other, and to be known by the, the everyone in the room. Like, how does that work? And there's strategy at, at every point in there. So our leaders are strategically and prayerfully and slowly put into place. Whoever is leading your group uh, was not just like the default person. Like, we couldn't find anybody else, so, you know, whatever. Like, we ask God to, like, put it on people's hearts, and it's a prayerful process. Um, Meg being on staff, like this is like one of her big lanes and she puts a lot of time and a lot of prayer into it. And, and so the leaders are a part of that. We have what has morphed into what we call a shared leadership model. Like you have the leaders, but then what we want the whole group to be able to take ownership over the group so that every, every spiritual gift is actively being used together in the group. So there are, are all kinds of opportunities to speak into things and to, to give leadership to things, to be yourself, because we believe that everyone in that circle, a part of the healing is every gift being used. But you know what's, what's one of the things that's really intentional that doesn't get talked about a whole lot, and I'm going to just tell you this. The fact that it's a weeknight and that you have to like prioritize it and commit to it and plan around it and figure out how to get there on time and get dinner and work together to figure out childcare. All of that stuff is on purpose. We we could be like, well, what's the most convenient thing for our people? What's gonna what's the easiest thing? What's gonna help the numbers be what the numbers need to be? And that might be to make that happen on a Sunday morning. We have this nice big facility and and to to create those kinds of things, just like while everybody's here, let's do everything at once. But you know, we live in a, in a culture that has really, really worked hard to make everything easy on us. You know? Um, like, Amazon and Chick-fil-A alone has like changed our lives, right? This ain't Amazon or Chick-fil-A. Like, we're, we're not supposed to be trying to make everything convenient. All, every business in America had to figure out how do we adjust during the stay-at-home COVID thing 
How do we adjust what we're doing in order to stay afloat? And so they have found out all kinds of ways to like to make things easier on us and to make things convenient and, and safe, of course, and all that, all that kind of stuff. And we have become so used to that that it's conditioned us that everything should be easy. And if things aren't easy, then it's, it's, it becomes uh, a justifiable like thing to cut out sometimes. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to paint this congregation with that brush. I'm saying culturally, that's, it's how our world thinks at this point. And it's so easy to just kind of fall into that with the things of God. But this is not that. We're talking about our souls. We're talking about uh, the salvation of our neighbors and our friends and our kids. Like We're talking about eternal things here. And so we, we know that it's not convenient on a Tuesday night. Of course. There, there's something good for us about having to, to sit down and to make these things work. Find it. Find a way in the schedule. Find a way to work other things around it. Like there's something good for us to have to do the gut check to say what is important to me, what is important to my family, what is important to my community, what is important to uh, to the Lord, what has He put into my life, and and to go with that. And so um, I, I don't say that any of that in an unkind way. I hope you hear a ton of kindness because it's it's good for us to have to wrestle with that. And sometimes, like sometimes, the outcome of that is not necessarily what we want. And sometimes we we have to like make choices here and there and all that. And that's not lost on any of us here. Like this, we live in like in a, a culture that's way too busy. We all know that. But the fight is good. The wrestling with it is good. The openness of being able to do that with your community is very good. And to be able to say, "Hey, I'm having a hard time figuring this part of it out." All that is on purpose. It's refining for us. It's a part of iron sharpening iron. When you come to the group, even how the group, the night goes, praying together, interacting with the scriptures together, even down to the questions that we ask. Like, like it's, it's funny to talk to community group leaders because uh, there are some leaders, like, so, so the, some of the questions are like maybe theological or, uh, yeah, they're kind of like kind of wrestling with some of the different like beliefs and things like that. And then other questions are very are about your experiences or your feelings or your struggles with something. And you talk to different group leaders, and some of them will say, "Say, man, our group loves the the theology and they love to wrestle all that stuff." But you ask an emotional question, and they will shut down. Don't ask about their feelings. Don't ask about their experiences. They just want to talk about the theology. And then other group leaders are like, "Man, my group." You can't get them to stop talking about how they feel and how everything's going and all this kind of stuff. You're like, please, we must open the Bible at some point tonight. You know, the different groups have these different personalities, and so, but but we're writing material with intentionality because we're trying to draw people out. We're we ask those experiential feelings based questions because you, you need to have someone asking you that stuff. It's an effort to make ourselves known. To give you an opportunity to make yourself known and to respond to others who are doing the same. All that stuff is on purpose. Growing the group, like growing the groups to where they multiply, and that's on purpose. Being geographically positioned in different places, all that stuff is on purpose. And so we're when it comes to groups, we're coming at it though, not not from a place of a church that's trying to get successful programs or numbers or anything like that. 
We look at the Bible and we say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get there? And for us at Living Hope, this is our belief that God has said, do it this way. And so I want you to know what you're being invited into and to be to like re-up on your commitment to and like it's it's coming from this place. We don't care about numbers other than the fact that numbers represent people. People are very important to the Lord. And so all of that to say this, look at verse five. Jesus saw their faith. He said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, everything I just said about groups and bringing each other to Jesus and like intercession, like all those, like everything that we're trying to be, every, every bit of that has to come from somewhere. If it doesn't come from somewhere, it's just religion, you know. It's just, we're just a, like, we just become like another club or civic organization. We're just giving you something to do with your Tuesday or Wednesday or Monday or whatever it is. But this actually has to originate somewhere. And it originates in this story from their faith. It says when Jesus saw, he saw their faith. Like, how do you see someone's faith? In faith, isn't that a personal, isn't that a personal thing? Isn't that an internal thing? No. Belief, belief is internal. Faith will always be expressed somehow. You show, you show your faith. It, it says, um, it says in Hebrews eleven one, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. You have this unseen thing that becomes tangible. And so for them, Jesus saw their faith because they said, we, we have this belief that's so deep, we're willing to ruin your roof, man. Like, we're, we're willing to cause a scene here because what we believe has found its way out. And there's no stopping it once it's found its way out. And so why do we do why do we do mentoring groups? Why do we have community groups? Why do we meet on Sundays? Why do why do we do anything? Well, it's because we believe Jesus has the power to change any human life. That's why. Like he he is everything to us. Whatever it takes to get to him and stay with him, that we we believe he is who he says he is. That's why we do it all. That's where it has to come from. And that's what Jesus saw in these guys. He wasn't, he wasn't like, oh man, my roof or anything like that. He was like, look at that faith. And when he saw their faith, he didn't even heal the guy. Not physically. He healed him of his sins. That's not why they, that's not why they cut the hole in the roof, you know. That wasn't really the goal. But Jesus said, in this moment, I see your belief that I have the power to change any human life, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring real change. And he forgives him of his sins. That's why we do all of this, because we believe that Jesus is Jesus. And every time we gather on a Sunday or in a small group or in a one-on-one situation, whatever it may be, the belief is that Jesus is here, so anything can happen, 
And he has everything that we need. He's all to us. He's, a, he's everything. He's the vine. We're the branches. You sever us from him, we're dead. Luckily, Jesus says, uh, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And so it's his life flowing into us. Like, so that's what drives all of this. So the question ends up being, do you, do you believe that that's true? Like, do you believe that you need him like this? Like, do you believe that you need to get to him and stay with him like they believed? That he has the power to deal with whatever it is that's going on with you. Let's look at the last part of the story. Because I know that in this room or watching on live stream or at the 830 service, we're bringing some stuff into the room and we're not real sure. There's some of you that are sitting on the mat and you know that you're sitting on the mat. You're sitting there and you're struggling and you can't quite figure out. Like you can't quite sing those songs we sang earlier that talk about God being good and those kinds of things. Look at the reaction in verse 6. I'm closing with this. Some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said this to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? And that's a a great question. Because he could have just been, you know, there's no way to prove his sins are forgiven, right? He could have just been a hustler of some sort, you know, like just kind of a, just traveling through, trying to get attention, trying to make some money, that kind of thing. He says, yeah, sir, it's, it's easier to speak to the intangible thing. And he says, verse 10, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. See, God works in the seen and in the unseen. And in the story, he first speaks to the unseen. But the people wanted that they wanted it to be seen, right? And that's such human nature. And there ain't nothing wrong with that, you know? Like it's great to come before God and say, God, uh, the, this is what I need. Um, and, and to have those like ways that you know he's answering or how he's answering or whatever it is. Like it's fine to like to kind of desire those tangible things, but what we have to challenge ourselves is to not make that be the only way we are convinced that he's at work. He's at work in the seen and in the unseen. There are times when he says no to what is seen because he is doing something that is unseen. When we are people of faith, we're okay either way. We're like, hey, I, I'm going to ask God for this. But even if he doesn't do this, I, I know he's still doing something. Because he's Jesus. He's all to me. And I trust him enough to know what he's doing. I trust him enough to know that he says, ask 
seek, knock, that he welcomes my requests. But I also know him well enough to know that I have to echo his prayer to the Father, which is, but it's not about what I want, it's about what you want. So a part of what, a part of our healing and a part of why we come together to be reminded is that he is working in ways we can see and in ways that we can't see. And our faith has to, has to rest in both of those things being true. And you may be here this morning and there may be some things that you've been asking God to do or waiting for God to do and you feel like he's silent on you. And I just want to encourage you. What we see here is Jesus at work in both. And it's like the like a subtext that he's saying is like, hey, don't be don't fall into the trap to think that just because just because you can't see it, it means I'm not doing something. And if you need to pull that into your circumstances, I hope that you'll do that this morning. I hope that you'll you'll apply this to your circumstances and your situations that you're wrestling through. Because that's what faith is. Faith is, I, I believe it whether I see it or not. And I know that's a hard place to be. And what's cool about God is, even if that's the place you are where you say, I can't even say that, well, tell him that. There's no, there's no wrong thing to say, you know. Be an honest son. Be an honest daughter. And in his response... And our responses, and as you share those things with the people around you, and they don't freak out, and they just listen to you and believe you and walk with you, there's this beautiful pathway that Psalm 23 describes as the path of righteousness. He just leads leads you down it one step at a time, faithful as can be. Sometimes we're in the know, sometimes we're not in the know. But it's learning to not be driven by what we see, but by our faith. That's why we're told we live by faith, not by sight. And so I know that there's a lot of ground that's covered just now. And I hope that there are some things that you'll grab onto. But I know that the, in, in talking through the, the COVID stay-at-home season that we went through and what that's been like since, and you know, there's just a lot, of, a lot of things that are going on. Someone said something a few weeks ago that I've... I'm pretty sure I've thought about it multiple times every day since he said it. And I brought it up to other people and it's become a conversation piece for me. But he said this. He said, you know, he said, during the stay-at-home thing, every, everything came to you. The work, work came to you. School came to you for the kids. Um, Amazon came to you. Target Walmart would come put it in your car for you. Um, church live streamed right into the living room. Like you got to where you didn't really even have to leave. And that's what they were trying to do, right? Keep everyone put, slow the virus down. But then that kind of did something to our brains, you know. It kind of made us lethargic when it, when it comes to a lot of things. And so we're trying to, it's like we're trying to step into normalcy, but there's a part of us that feels so sluggish of like, and that's what he was saying. He's like, I just don't want to do anything. I don't want to, I don't want to put a lot, of, a lot of effort. Like I'm just, I'm struggling to kind of come out of the fog, you know? And 
I, I believe that that's a real thing. And it isn't for everyone. Some of you are like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And others are like, mm-hmm. I believe that that a part of what we need to do as a church that's starting to, to finally like launch our like fall stuff with mentoring and MTS and community groups and uh, hopefully no more hurricanes, you know, like, and I think we have to take some intentional steps out of that fogginess and put some legs to some things and make some like, like really like decide who, what's important to me, what's important to my marriage, what's important to my family, what's important to my friendships, what's important to my commitments to my faith community. Like, I think that's, like being determined about that is going to help us leave some of that leftover stuff behind. And some of you have already done that, and some of you need to do that. And it's been really good for me to think through the different ways where I maybe am still like kind of walking in some of that. Because I believe that God, like I think God has a lot for us this fall. And if you've been here for a while, you're like, yeah, he says it every fall. Well, I believe it every fall. And he does. I think, this, I think there's, a lot, there's a lot in store for us. And so I hope that us in thinking in terms of faith and belief and Jesus being everything and the community side of it, there's a lot to grab onto, but I hope we'll just grab onto every single bit of it and uh, really see what God has. But especially, especially if you're struggling today, I hope that you sense God's presence with you and his encouragement to just keep going and not get too hung up on what you see. He's always at work in the unseen um, when we get to see it, it's like a blessing. When we get to, when we're not able to see it, it's like we're walking in like a, this deep belief that Jesus really is that great. Um, so let's stand together as our musicians come back. You know, we used to used to take communion together and just kind of have a response time, and we haven't really figured out that post COVID. But we're gonna sing a little bit, and. Um, these songs are always picked very strategically. So I'm just going to pray and then hand it over to these guys. And we'll just kind of just respond in prayer and in song together. Let me pray for us. God, what, a, what an honor to be, uh, to be walking in community with other people. That you saw fit for us to, um, to not remain in a place where we had to just sit outside just feet away from the healing that we long for, but yet we just couldn't get to you. And part of the beauty of what you've done is that you came to us. And you came to bring that healing and restoration to our entire lives. And so God, this morning, as as we all have things that we're wrestling through, would you help us to be more and more and more the kind of people who walk by faith and not only by sight? Sight tells us a lot of things, but it, it's not ultimate. And, and so for those who need that encouragement this morning to keep going and that belief that you're at work, I pray that not only the text, but also the, the songs and prayers this morning and just to be surrounded by others would be our own way of interceding for each other today as we sing and bring these prayers to you we love you very much we thank you 
and pray this in your name. Amen.